You know, in, in life, there's something that I've learned and I know, I know we all have. You know, we don't always get what we want, number one, right? Um, I know that we have a heart's desire. And I know in, in the scripture even says that God, if you will, I'm, no, I'm just putting this out here, that God will give us our heart's desire. I hear that quite a lot, that God will give us our heart's desire. And I think if I don't put that in context, guess what? I'm, gonna, I'm not going to do so good in my life. Because sometimes my heart desires things that, quite frankly, I don't think God desires for my life, you know? So the desires of the heart that, that we're talking about in Scripture and those desires that God desires to impart to us are those desires that he puts within us. And I'm going to talk about that today, those desires that God puts within us. So before we go there, welcome on the web and I'm assuming the probably uh, 30 people that are out sick are going to listen to this because we're going to send you emails and someone knocking on your door if uh, you don't tell me. So how, here's how we know if you listen to the sermon today. Email us at 4cbc.org. Say, I listened to the sermon today, and it's, it's awesome. God is good. Not that the sermon's good, but God is good. His word is good and endures forever. Amen? Amen. Okay. So moving Toward Christ. That's our vision statement. And out of 1 John 2 6, it says, Those who say they live in God shall live their lives as Jesus did. So, those who say they live in God should live their life as Jesus did. We have spent six weeks basically in Ephesians, and we've been looking at this. How did Jesus live his life? How does God desire that we live the life he has given us? And quite frankly, uh, bottom line is, it's it's hard. I mean, I, I know that. It's hard. It's hard in our sin nature. It's hard in our flesh. I mean, it, it really is. And, and if we woke up and every second of our life, we lived our life as Jesus did, then I would be like Jesus. But who here is like Jesus? You think it's a trick question, don't you? Well, you know what? In his righteousness, I am like Jesus. Now, I'm not saying I'm Jesus, but I strive to be more like him every day because Jesus is the example that God has given us, not only in our salvation, he's provided the way to be reconciled to God, but to be like him. And Jesus himself said, but I do nothing that I don't see my father doing. So as I, I strive to emulate Christ in my life, to be more like Jesus in my life, to be a disciple of Christ, what am I doing? I'm becoming more as God has me to be, right, in my life. Now, I'm going somewhere with this. So, so that is our, our vision statement. And then how do we do that here at Four Corners, moving people toward Christ, is by equipping the saints, strengthening our families, and growing together in our faith. So as we move closer to Christ, we help others to move closer to Christ. It's imperative that as we move closer to Christ, it's a given we're moving closer, number one. Right? In our everyday life, our everyday walk, we're praying, we're, we're in God's word, we're meditating on God's word, um, and, and we're growing more in that. Um, who here would say, if I said we need to memorize scripture, who here would say, Pastor Tony, that's too hard for me to do, I can't really, it's hard for me to memorize things. Who Raise your hand if that's you. Okay, who would say that it's real easy for you to memorize things? Okay, who would say that if it's easy for you to memorize things, you are memorizing Scripture? Okay, 
you know what? The hand thing ain't working, so I want you to stand from, from here now. <laughs> okay. So, so the thing is, though, as we move closer to Christ, we'll help others to move toward Christ also. And, and, and you know what? That's a snapshot of what Jesus has for us. That as we emulate him, as we are more like him, as we're in the word, as we allow the spirit of God to give us the revelation of the word of God, as we grow up, that's a biblical word, as we grow up, then others around us can grow up too. Can you believe God has made us ambassadors, D? I mean, I know you know that, but can you, I mean, can we really grab that? I'm an ambassador for God. Think about this. And I wish I could think of some ambassadors of the United States. I can't right now. My mind just went blank. But you know what I mean? The ambassador to Russia. The ambassador to whatever. You know, is Timbuktu a real place? Because if it is, there's an ambassador. Okay, is it really? And that's crazy. I want to check that one out. So, so you know what I'm saying, though? For real, you're an ambassador for a holy God. Now think about that. And as an ambassador, I represent Father God. As an ambassador, I represent the gospel. I mean, I don't mean that I am the gospel. I, you know, you you know what I mean. I but but I am to share the gospel. I'm to share my life. I'm to share with others to the glory of God, the gospel, the death, burial, and resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. He has given me not only the opportunity but the mandate to do so. It's awesome. So as we look and, and continue, we, we look at, into God moments. We, we continuously talk about looking to see what God's doing around us in our everyday life and to share those stories. And just real briefly, um, yesterday we had a senior adult potluck, and, and I wasn't able to make it. But who, was, who here was there yesterday? Okay. Um, I hope you ate some stuff for me because I always love the food there. I mean, that's, but we were able to make it. Um, but those are always examples of things we do in fellowship, the things we do as a body, and the things we do as we reach out to others. Uh, we had some first-time guests, if you will, yesterday that were at the potluck. And we're, so we're reaching. We're, we're being an example. We're encouraging one another. We're praying for one another. And it's okay. We're eating. It's okay. We're eating. So, but continue to look to see what God is doing. You're going to hear me say that. I don't know. I probably will never stop if you, because we're ambassadors. What is God doing? What's he doing at your work? What's he doing in your home? What's he doing where you shop? What's he doing? Because God is everywhere going about his business and reconciling men to him. And, and we get to get in on it. It's, it's just awesome. So just looking back real quick, I, I really am going to kind of go through this very quickly um, but we, in looking through Ephesians, we we're talking about walking in love and that we're to be imitators of God. And that's found in Ephesians 5, 1, 7. But we're to be imitators of God and we're not to let anyone deceive us with empty words. And by empty words, we qualify that as in, I mean, even simply just watching endless TV or being on the phone or just being in social media or, or just listening to, to people and things that keep talking into our life, that keep speaking into our life. That just really, you know what, it just doesn't matter. You know, because we're, we're a body self-contained. Here I am, and there's only so much I can bring in and so much I can hold in my body, in my mind, in my thoughts. And so 
to be an imitator of God, I need to be able to be close to God, drawing near to him, allowing him to fill what capacity he's given me in him, not in stuff. And then we talked about walking in the light, and that's found in Ephesians 5, 8 through 14. And we're to walk as children of light. We're, we're to walk our life out in doing things that's acceptable to the Lord. We're not to have fellowship with unfruitful works. Matter of fact, in Ephesians, it said to expose those things that go against God. And at the end of that, uh, in verse 14, it said, Awake and arise, and Christ will give you light. And this is, this is tough, especially, I think, in our culture. It's so tough because here we are. We're trying to be imitators of God. We're trying to walk in his light, the Christ that's in me. I've repented and believed. I'm a born-again believer. Um, Christ is in me. His word dwells within me. Literally, his spirit's within me. And then, then the word of God tells me to walk in him, in his spirit, in his word, and, and to, to literally expose the things that go against him. Now, you know what? If we took a survey, which don't raise your hand on this one, because I don't want to put anyone on the spot, but probably even right here this morning, let alone our extended family or, or the cult, our world, if we were to ask and say, honestly, just say it like it is, you know, how many of us not only um, put our mind, our eyes, and our ears on things that are unfruitful, they're just frivolous, just, they don't matter, but, but that are not of God, that are not godly. You know, and, and we're, we're allowing all this stuff to come in, we're interacting Uh, on Facebook with, you know, well, yeah, do you know what she said? Or I can't believe this, or this is what's going on. And, you know, it's kind of like Facebook is another reality where we praise, we praise God with our mouth one time. The next thing on Facebook, we're putting things out there. We're not really, I like to believe we're not really watching what we're doing, quite frankly, because some of the stuff I see uh, people that confess to be born again believers. I mean, they put curse words and they put, you know what I mean? I I don't know. I, I, I just like to believe we're just not paying attention. We think it's a cute little saying, and we slap it out there, you know. But God tells us to expose those things. Not only don't be a part of those things that are not of him, but to expose them, meaning twofold. Number one, come to your own reality. Number one, call it what it is to yourself. Stop it. Stop letting that junk into our life because whether you think so or not, it affects your life. It affects your spirit. It affects your walk with God. We can say we're big boys and girls and we can handle these things. They're only characters. They're not true. I know, I know, I know. I have to have the conversation with me. I do. Well, I can watch this. This is, the, this is an awesome movie, Trish. It's, I mean, I know I mention this all the time. I guess I, I want to be an example, and I, I want to put it out there for accountability for me. All the time, we'll watch this awesome movie, and then they got to throw in this stupid thing, and I just shut it off. Just shut it off. I want nothing to do with it because I'm too easily affected. I just am. And then I said I was going to do this quick, didn't I? <laughs> uh, okay. So, um, and then walk circum- circumspectly. As we walk, we need to walk carefully. And we talked about here, carefully means not foolishly, but be wise. It means redeeming the time. And in redeeming the time, in a sense, we're redeeming our redemption. We are redeemed through Christ, if we are. All right? So I'm, a, again, a born-again believer. I've repented of my sin. 
I've put my trust in Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. I am redeemed. I am reconciled through Christ to God. That's awesome. So we're to be imitators of God. We're to, we're to walk in his light, removing things that are not of God from our life so we can get more of God in our life. And then the bottom line is we're to be wise and redeem the time. Now, here, here's what I want to hit, and then we're moving on. Here's the thing. How do you redeem the time? It doesn't necessarily mean make a checklist. It doesn't necessarily mean go, okay, 1 through 10, I'm going to organize my life. I'm not, not, if you, this is what you do, you're, it's good. Hear me out. You know, but I don't need to calendar every moment. I don't need to go, well, I need to be wise about my time. Uh, well, I need to do that, but here's the point. It means more to look for opportunity than it does to, to, to just try to make a checklist for your life. Some people need checklists. I mean, I get that. But it's, it's not just about that. It's about opportunities. Totally two different things. If we're so busy sometimes trying to do the things in life that we're trying to do and we have this checklist, the next thing we know, we're, we're just way out in right field. We've faded from God. Why? Because we missed the opportunities. We're too busy looking for the things that we, we think that we need to be doing. And we, 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 we just put so much stuff into our life that we can't do anything more. Come on. We just can't. So the next thing you know, opportunities come. and I, I just can't do it. I can't, I'm sorry. Can't do it. Or we don't see it at all. How many missed opportunities? You know, that again, that's not, a, that's not something, words of condemnation. Um, can I lay it heavy on you? I guess, I guess it's heavy to me. And, I mean, I don't know anyone's personal life per se. So if, if it speaks to you, um, it could, there's a thousand other examples. This isn't the only one. But this is what I have found. And again, I'm trying to get perfected in it myself. But here's an example in case you're wondering what I'm talking about. Here's an example. We have a tendency in our culture to... To work. Is that good? Some of you are going, of course. <laughs> okay, to work. To work for what? Housing, food, support our family. Are those good things? Okay, don't raise your hand on this. But who here would say, I, I, I could raise my hand, not now, but I, at one time I easily could. Who here would say, as you're working and as you're um, uh, you know, providing the housing, the food and your fam- for your family, for your needs, that the more you make, really the more you spend. And then who can relate to, you know, you go to, uh, to find a place that you're going you're gonna to build a house or you're going to move into a house and you have a tendency to maybe get a little more than what you can afford and now it holds you captive. Whether that's a house or a car and the next thing you know, I... I hear it all the time, and, and again, I, I used to be one. I, I, I try not to now, but um, I hear it all the time. Well, you know what? I just don't have enough money. I just don't have enough money. I, I, I know we need, I need more money. I've got to work longer. You know, it's, it's what they're telling me, and I, I just got to. Why? Well, because I've got a house payment. i got this. And, 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 and a lot of times the reality is, well, if you wouldn't got such a big house or such a big car, and you might think, Pastor Tony, where are you coming from this morning? I'm, these are not words of condemnation. They're things that I've dealt with in my life and I'm constantly confronted with in my life now. But this I know. You know, when we keep striving 
and putting things in our life that, that are at our reach, I guarantee you something's going to come into your life that's going to shortchange you. And the next thing you know, you're scrambling to make a payment. Come on. And, and, and we're distracted. We're diverted. Now, this could be not just money, but time and elements, things that we're doing in life. So I don't, we're to walk in such a way that, that we redeem the time. And that redemption means we, we, we are praying, we're in the Word of God, we're allowing His Spirit to speak to us and give us the revelation of what His Word says. We're to count the cost, we're to be wise with our money, we're, we're, we're to walk in Him so that when we are living our life, it's for His glory, it's not for a house or for a car, it's, it's, just, it's just not. Is for His glory. That when we see an opportunity, we can seize it. When there's an opportunity to glorify God, when there's an opportunity to do something that God wants us to do, maybe He wants us to go on a, a mission trip. Maybe He wants us to just simply minister with someone. But, but again, if we're too tied up and we can't, I'll, I'll move on. So this is where we're at today. Turn to Jeremiah 29, 11. So how does all this play out? This is how it's going to play out this morning. Because how do we become imitators of God? How do we walk in the light? And how do we, how do we walk in wisdom so we can look for God's opportunities? Well, I put a header up there in the PowerPoint. It says, God's plan for our life is by choice. Now, if you're a theologian out there, you're going to go, no, it's not. You know, I, I get that. But ultimately, we do play a part in it because even if God took his plan, wrote it out and said, hey, Pastor Rolando Delgado, here is the plan for your life. And he, God wrote it out on stone because he's God. And he writes it out on stone. And it's just a little tablet like this. There's five things that say, Pastor Rolando Delgado, this is my plan for your life. And boom, he hands it to him in stone. And Pastor Rolando Delgado goes, Ooh, that's interesting. Nah, I don't think so. Could He could. Could he not? Come on, come on. Could he not? Could, couldn't God give any one of us even if it was just five things, this is my plan. Here you go, Michelle. Boom. You, you always wanted to know, right? You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, Floyd, right? You always wanted to know. And so here it is. Here it is. Boom. It's our choice whether we do it or not. It's our choice whether or not, whether it's God's plan or not. Now, God is God, and he can do a lot of things to kind of make us do that if he wants to. Right? Some of you know that as uncle. Say uncle. <laughs> Some of the younger people are looking at me like, oh, uncle. So I contend this, that, you know, God, you know where I'm going to go. He has given us his plan. It's right here. It's his word. It's right here. It's his word. And he's put it within our, now watch. He's not only done this, 
Jojo, right? Because that's a book. It's his word, but it's a book. But he's put it within our heart. You don't get any closer than that. No, we need to grow in that. I mean, you know, again, it doesn't just happen. So, so let me read this scripture, but then I want to expound on it a little bit. It says this, Jeremiah 29, 11. No, let me start after. No, let me go to 10. Jeremiah 29, 10. It says, For thus says the Lord, after 70 years are completed at Babylon, I will visit you and perform my good work toward you and cause you to return to this place. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace, not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. So first I want just to mention this. Some of the translation says plan, and that's where, you know, for I know the plan that I have toward you. Most of us probably know that translation of Jeremiah 29, 11. But this is New King James, and for lack of a better way to say it, you know, you have a preacher that says, well, I like this better and I like this. But, but I do like this better in a sense how it reads for us in, in, in our culture because he says that I know the thoughts that I think toward you. Because a lot of times we're well-meaning and, and we'll, we'll go up to someone and we'll, someone that's hurting or, I mean, I mean again, we're well-meaning. I've done this in the past, not, not any time recent, because I've look, come to understand that, that when you go up to someone that's hurting, you got to be careful how you console them if you're wanting and desiring that they enter into this relationship with God or understand what God wants for them, the real plan God wants. Here's what I mean. So someone's hurting. I don't even know who they are, and I go up to them, and I say, you know what? I'm, I'm so sorry that this happened or that's happened or you're hurting. I, I'm so sorry, but I want you to know God has a plan for you. Now, does that not sound good? Has anyone ever done that? And you might think, well, what's wrong with that? God does have a plan for them. Well, wait a minute. How do you know? How do you know what God's plan? Well, Pastor Tony, you just said it's right here. Here's God's plan. Well, then tell me, are, are they a born-again believer? Are they in the Word? Do they have... I mean, you, you might, you might, I'm going somewhere with this. <laughs> so, so the bottom line is, what is God's plan for us? And how does that play out? So a little bit of history, not much, but a little bit of history would be go. So now you have, you have Jeremiah, he's a prophet. God has clearly told Jeremiah to go to, to the people of Israel, go to God's own people right here. Like, like Jeremiah walks in that door and he, you are God's people and he starts speaking to you. And now watch, Jeremiah watches. Jeremiah comes in, he comes into the door and he starts speaking to us, right? And he goes like this, repent. All of you, repent. Of the sins that you're doing against God. Of the thoughts and the things that you're watching and you're listening and you're doing. Repent. Because if you don't, then God's judgment is going to come against you. Ooh. <laughs> Think about that. I mean, this is for real stuff. And, and you know what? The people, who knows, did they listen or not listen? God's own people, did they listen or not listen? They didn't listen, I'll tell you right now. And God's judgment came. And the way God, if you will, fulfilled that judgment or, 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 or that judgment played out was he allowed Babylon to come in 
and to take the people from the land, from Jerusalem. They literally came in, took them captive. But here's the interesting thing. They took the common people and left them in the land. Uh, common, uh, like farmers and people that, you know, produced, they might be livestock or farmers, and they left them in the land. Why did they do that? It was a strategy of, of uh, Babylon that actually was quite ingenious because now they continued to grow food, and right? Not only could they feed feed the people they took captive, they could feed themselves, you know? So, and, and so, but then they took the priests and the leaders of the, of the, of the tribe, if you will, of Israel, and they took them and took them to Babylon, all right, so guess where Jeremiah was? They left Jeremiah with the common people. I don't know why. I, don't know, I guess I have to dig into that a little bit. Or maybe it's not a reason why, or maybe it was God's plan. So the next thing you know, what we're reading, and I'm, I'm giving us a little history because I'm jumping into Jeremiah 29, right? You know. So, but I'm giving a, a, a little bit of history here because the next thing you know, Jeremiah writes a letter to the elders, the elders that are in captivity that were taken, right, to, to Babylon. And so he writes this letter because the elders, the priests, not all of them, but, but many of them, they were going to the people that were in captivity and they were going, you know what? It's not real. You know, I, well, no, no, I know, I know that um, you're in captivity. Yes, yes, because we're here. Uh, I know that, that you're, you're in captivity, but it's only going to last two years. It, you're, it's, you're good. Take a deep breath. God is God. He's in control. Who would say God? Who would say God's in control? Raise your hand. Who would say God's in control? Okay. So, so I want you. I want you to. I want you to understand something. Let me just. Let me just play this out a little bit. Bring it to our modern time, to us today in the church. So, okay, you guys. <clears throat> I know that we're in sin. We all are sinners, and we fall short of the glory of God. I'm included in that. And I know that there's some areas in our life, including mine, that I, I'm growing in. I'm not the same I used to be. I mean that. I'm definitely maturing and growing. Praise God. It's to his glory. But, but you know what? I still have areas that I'm struggling in. Don't you? I still have areas that I'm sinning in. Don't you? Huh? All right. And God, is God convicting anyone in this room, including myself, about this sin? Okay. I just want to tell you something. Don't worry about it. It's okay. That's, that's what was happening. And so you have these priests and you have, doesn't that kind of sound like today? A little bit too. It's a little scary. We got a lot of priests and pastors and churches that are going, don't worry about it. It's okay. God is good. Now, I'm, I, it sounds like I'm being a little cynical or I'm not. I'm, not. I, I'm, I'm, I'm afraid to say it's, it's, it's true. So this morning, what God has us to know and to hear is he does have a plan for you and I. Even in the middle of our sin by his grace. But, but look how this plays out because the next thing you know, you have Jeremiah writing this letter to, the, to, to his people, like, like, like to us. And, and he, he starts to go, now look. Here's what the letter says. He says, God says it's not going to be just two years. It's going to be like 70 plus years. He said, in the meantime, though, where you're at, I want you to build homes. I want you to marry. I want you to, to interact and to grow as a people. I want you to be like God 
no matter the scenario you're in. That's part right there of his plan people need to hear. In the middle of our sin, in the middle of everyone in this room that's struggling forward, I pray, we're struggling forward, and we're going, God, I want more of you, and I, I'm, I'm in your word, I'm, I'm praying, I, I want to receive what you have for me. And, and to me, what I hear God say clearly is in the middle of your sin, Tony, watch. Do you not think I'm in control? What are we experiencing today? That God is allowing, and we want to blame the devil. We want to blame the flesh, and we want to blame others. If God is in control, which he is, do we not think that a loving God, just like a loving mom or dad would discipline their children, that a loving God would not allow us to be put into captivity? I'm not saying we're all captive, don't go there. But, but I'm telling you, God can and does. Think about this. His word continuously tells me that those he loves, he's discipl- he disciplines. Now, what does it take to discipline you and me? Do we just read the word of God and we go, oh, I'm good. I got this. No, sometimes what has to happen is we like God allows us to go into captivity. He allows things to happen that we got to go, oh, no. What am I going to do? That one of the first things we do as a, as, as a believer, I think non-believers too, but one of the first things we do as a believer, we have a tendency that, okay, okay, now, again, I'm the one preaching, and I'm the one that I, I like to be coming to current reality, so, and I'm the one that will use myself to do so for nothing more but to say God is good. But, you know, so uh, our, our, our roof needs to be replaced, the whole roof. I mean, January, again, water comes down and comes in our bedroom and Trish goes there's a nice waterfall in our bedroom and I go there is not because it happened a year ago two days prior flooded our whole house and I'm going you're kidding me so here's the rain here's the water here's the root oh wait I don't know if I want to tell this story or not you're going to go boom God is really disciplining Pastor Tony maybe he is I don't know but but so what so then so then the roof and, and so then I'm helping someone move some furniture. And for whatever reason, we have a seven-foot dresser in the air. There's a balance point. I'm just kind of holding it like this. And the person's going to come around to help me put the balance point down. And for whatever reason, he pushes it. And it overextends this arm. Takes my whole shoulder out for a month. I can't hardly work. I can't great pain. I go, what in the world? And then Trish and her accident. For whatever reason, the brakes fail on her bike. She goes flying over a ravine and breaks her back. So now, I could tell you more. <laughs> I mean, I really could. I could tell you, I could keep going. You know, the roof is $15,000. Now, Trish, we, we hope that we have, we don't have insurance, but we do have MediShare and we're thinking it's going to work. <laughs> we're going to find out. Uh, but still, there's the deductible. Now, here's another eight grand. And then, and then there, the long story short is just in, since January to now, we're now looking at like, what, 40000 that we need to come up with. Don't have pity on me. Don't you think I'm saying this because all of a sudden someone's going to write a check for $40,000. But if you do, Tony McQueer. No. <laughs> I, I shouldn't kid like that. I want to see if you're listening. I'm serious. I, but, but, but. 
But think about this. But as a believer, the last thing we need to do, we're in the middle of the stuff, just like the, when they were in captivity, is don't believe false stuff. Don't believe, well, if you just dream it away, or if you just wish it, or if you just pray hard enough, or if you just have enough faith, and then God is good. He'll just take care of everything. Don't go there. But don't go here either. Poor me. Now, I get it. But don't you dare, may I say, allow things, knowing God is in control of them, to start backing off your faith and start getting depressed and start, you know, well, I just, I just can't believe this and there's no way we'll come up with the money. Now, is that reality to a lot of people? Of course it is. I mean, of course it is. But if we, if we go the other way and go into depression and we, we, we stop doubting God and, stop and start lacking faith in what God desires to do in our life, what he wants us to get out of even the worst times, to grow up, to mature, to make some adjustments in life. Maybe it's not such a big house or maybe, you know, you know I mean, and again, it's, it's not about material thing. If you hear me saying that, you're hearing the wrong sermon this morning. But maybe he wants that life adjustment. And you know what? We just ain't listening. So God says, I love you, and let me help you adjust your life. Now, is he helping me adjust my life? Apparently, I have to rejoice in that. I'm not happy. People say, well, how can you be so happy? I'm not. Inside, I'm just going, ah. But my heart knows I'm serious. My spirit knows that God is good. And look, the things I'm learning and, and the maturity and just go, the, the faith that's being built, there is no cost we can put on that. So, Jeremiah 29, 11. So here he is. Jeremiah is speaking to mainly the priests, uh, the leaders, not so much the common people in this letter. But he says, continue to build houses. Continue to marry, continue to prosper because the Babylonians were allowing them to, for lack of a better way to say it, to prosper, to live life. He said, do it in the middle of adversity. Don't look for the easy way out. Don't just say God is good and God, like we're kind of doing now again, you know, modern times, you know, God is good. It's all going to work out. You know, it's okay. And he says, he says in verse seven, I'm going up to 29, seven. He says, and seek the peace of the city where I have caused you to be carried away captive. We don't want to think that, do we? We don't want to think that, no, how, how in the middle of my adversity, how in the middle of the things that have happened to me in life, how, 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 how has God allowed this? And they hold us captive. The past holds us captive. Even the good things from the past can hold us captive. We're in captivity. Jeremiah's told the, the no, 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 no. Live life. Don't pretend you're not in captivity because the reality is you are. Get it? Do you get it? Yeah. So these things that are coming against us, it's not like you go, no, no, no. But walk in God's plan. It's interesting where he says, he says this. Um, let me, let's, let's reread uh, 29.10. For, 
For thus says the Lord, after 70 years, there's a time period, there's an element here. Whatever that is, only God knows I don't for every circumstance that's in this room or on the web. I don't know how, how long these things that try to hold us captive are. I don't know. God knows. He says this, I will visit you and perform my good word toward you and cause you to return to this place. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and go and pray to me, and I will listen to you. What is God's objective? Now, again, I'm not God, but biblically, principally, what what is God's objective here? Why does God allow a lot of things that come into our life to bring us to a place where we have to readjust our life so we put more focus on him and not on the stuff? Okay, why? Why, why, why? Because when we're at that place, because he says, I will cause you. When we're at that place, what's the deal? Then we will seek him. It takes these times of hardship to find God. I don't know the percentage of them, but biblically speaking, I would say it's 100%. In our sin nature, there's not one of us in this room that naturally seeks after God. And it takes these times that come against us to prove us and to strengthen us in our relationship with him. If we want to cover our eyes, say, well, I have faith. I just, you know, I want to be careful here. I'm not saying that, you know, when you say, well, I give it to God, that's awesome if you, if you really have. But if we, we say we give it to God, but then we don't, we, we, we try to still fix things, it's not the same. So God knows the plan that he has for everyone in this room. True. And his plan is that we glorify him in our life. That's the plan. And we do it through the word he's already given us. No more, no less. That's the plan. Anything else is, his, is our plan. And everything else is our plan. John 6.40 says this. Where's Dennis? Dennis? If you'll play, you ready to play this morning? I like, I like, Dennis has, I think everyone knows by now, but if you don't, he has a wind machine. That is, the thing that he plays is called a wind machine. I, I think he should call it something like really cool, but it's a wind machine. But it sounds really cool. John 6, 40 says this, And this is the will of God, that he who looks upon the Son of God and believes in him shall be saved. Now, I know there's more scripture about the will of God in scripture. I mean, I understand that. That we're to, we're to pray always and we're to pray God's will be done. But what is God's will and how is that done? It's only done when we are engaging his will. How do we engage his will? Step one, and this is the will of God, that he who looks upon the Son of God and believes in him will be saved. God's plan starts with salvation, the redemption of man to him, the reconciling of man to him. That's how God's plan starts. And then from there, 
What's our purpose in life that we all seek? And it's to glorify him through our salvation. Well, how do we do that? We do it by his plan. He, He already has it planned out that we live out his word in our life to glorify him. Amen. You see, I could have said that 35 minutes ago. So if you're here this morning and you would say, Pastor Tony, I'm not, I know I'm not living in God's plan because I am not a born-again believer. I've not repented of my sin and asked Jesus to be my Savior, to put my trust in Christ. I've not looked upon the Son of Man, which is Jesus, and believed in him, that God raised him from the dead, that I might be reconciled back to God, meaning brought back to God. Then this morning's the morning. Today's the day of the salvation. That you might repent and believe. And Father God, we thank you for your word, your love, your grace. Your word tells us for all of sin that falls short of the glory of God. And for the wages of that sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. So this morning, Lord, whether there's someone in this room or on the web, that truly now... They would also do, as Romans tells us, that if we confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, then we'll be saved. May it be so. May salvation come to your house today. In Jesus' name, amen. Come, guys. It's not a thing. It's a person. And, and Vacation Bible School really reaches not only the children, but, but their families. It, it's, it really is. It's an outreach. It's, it's a way to missionally outreach to those around us. So continue to pray for that. And one other thing was, it's not on the slide, but if you have a desire to uh, join the, the uh, small group I've been talking about, I talked about it last week, uh, where we're putting three, at the most, four people together in a book study um, we're still gathering people together. We will start in the next week or two. Um, but I put some uh, pamphlets on the back. They're just little flyers. Um, you can fill out and uh, be a part of that. Seriously, it's a way to walk together. It's a way, and, and even if you don't fill out a flyer, you're going to get a call anyway. So, <laughs> and if you answer your phone, you're going to get a call. <laughs> just want to encourage you, that's all. Walk together, grow in Christ, grow in relationship with one another. Right? Amen? Okay, is God good? Okay, well, God bless you as you go. We'll see you Wednesday if you're able to a small group or next week or maybe during the week. Give me a call. Bless.